Hi, I'm Sarah, and this is the podcast version of my every other weekly-ish newsletter called Sarah by the Season, where I explore a little bit of everything that's on my mind as I try to lean into nature's wisdom and rhythms. Subscribe and learn more at sarahbytheseason.com. This week's newsletter is titled, But First, Let It All Out, Grief Season. I keep a perler bead cow taped on the wall above my bathroom sink. It's an icon to remind me of the kind of loving I want to do in the world. A few years ago, Maeve was making this elaborate cow out of perler beads, those teeny tiny plastic bead things that you arrange in patterns and then iron together to create something new. We were on vacation at a house we had rented, and unbeknownst to her, she was working on it on a wobbly table. After working on it for several hours, she went to iron it together, and the whole thing crashed to the floor due to the wobbly table. She completely lost it. My first instinct was to rationalize her grief. All the beads are right here. You can redo it. We're on vacation. Get over it. The perler bead cow isn't worth losing your mind over, etc. But I said none of those things. I held her, told her I was so sorry, and whispered her to let it all out. She screamed and cried, getting progressively louder for a few minutes until she stopped, resumed position at a different table, and started over. She gifted me the finished cow, and it's been hanging on my bathroom wall ever since. Of course, there were a hundred, maybe a thousand times prior to, and there have been since, the cow incident with my children, my husband, and loved ones when I haven't handled their grief well. When I've skipped straight to sunny skies ahead or given them solutions when they just wanted to be held or any number of other rationalizations because I'm really good at those. But I keep the cow because it reminds me of who I want to be. I also keep it where I can see it several times a day to remind me to offer the same gentleness toward myself. I was a kid who was often called overly sensitive. Heck, I've had employers say it to me as an adult. I remember when I was around Jasper's age now that I finally mastered that ability to swallow my tears back down. I could never, still haven't, figured out how to keep my eyes from watering, but I learned quickly that using my contacts as an excuse covered that up, even though in hindsight I'm sure I wasn't fooling anyone. Having your own children is this beautiful invitation to reparent yourself too, to be gentler to your own kids in the ways you were wounded, and in so doing, somehow offering yourself healing in the process. All of this has been on my mind lately because fall is associated with grief. Sadness is more prevalent this season if we're tuned into it. It too is an invitation to get curious about what we need to grieve or what new layers of old griefs are resurfacing, to lean into our grief about who and what we've lost, to feel all of it. I love how Robin Wall Kimmerer talks about grief and braiding sweetgrass. If grief can be a doorway to love, then let us all weep for the world we are breaking apart so we can love it back to wholeness again. Until we can grieve for our planet, we cannot love it. Grieving is a sign of spiritual health, she says. Grief as a doorway to love. If we don't grieve what needs grieving, we can't be as fully open to love as possible. If we don't grieve what needs grieving, we're somehow spiritually cut off from wholeness. I have a long list of things that I love about my yin practice, but the space it provides for me to do this hard work is at the top of that list. Americans don't do grief well. We don't do, quote, big grief well, the things we think about as worthy of grieving, like a really close family death. But we're really terrible at the so-called smaller griefs that we all experience after having lived for even just a little bit on this planet. And we have no clue how to do communal grief. Just take a look at the pandemic for Exhibit A. This season, especially especially in the fall of 2021, is inviting us to sit with our so-called big and little griefs, as well as that communal grieving that continues to well up because we refuse to face it in a meaningful way. Side note, 
I feel a little squirmy about using the same word we use to describe the devastation my friend's children are facing at the death of their mom as I used to describe my child's hurt over her wrecked craft project. I'm doing it anyway because I think it demonstrates the deficiency of our language around these kinds of things. And because I think grief, like trauma, is a continuum whose intensity varies tremendously based on whether or not it's given space and validation in relationship. Cheers to a good cry or scream into the void or however else feels good to let it all out in the week ahead. Sharing is caring, as they say. So if you know someone who would like this sort of thing, I would love it if you would pass it along to them. You'll have to tune in to the actual newsletter for my rants and raves and stuff we're sharing this week. Thanks so much for listening and see you next time.